0: Turn with me this evening to the book of uh, Psalms. Let's see, what's our text? I didn't write it down. Anybody remember? Psalm 103. And also 1 Peter, the second chapter. Psalm 103 and 1 Peter 2. We've been uh, involved in a series on these Friday evenings entitled The Works and the Ways of Jesus. And we as a church have been reading our New Testament through together. I don't know if you knew it or not, but if you read one chapter out of the New Testament every day, Monday through Friday, just Monday through Friday, in one year, you will have read the New Testament through. Just one chapter a day. And so we're doing that together as a church and we finished up today on John 2, is that right? How many read your scriptures, your chapters this week? Let me see. Hold your hands up real high. Good, good, good. If uh, if you attend this church, uh, I would sure be glad to see you do that. Uh, the word feeds your spirit. And not only that, when we're all on the same thing in our thinking and in our hearts, it contributes to our unity and our strength, amen. And I know that you can read a lot more than one chapter a day. But, uh, you know, after you read that chapter, read all you want to. Somewhere else. But uh, focus, you know, bring when you're fresh, all your energies, all your faith to believe that you get some good revelation out of that chapter. Don't speed read it. Don't scan it. Read it carefully in faith. Believe in it. Feed your spirit. How many have been getting some good things out of your readings? I'm, I mean, I know I have. Man, I've been getting revelation. And what I'm going to be speaking to you tonight is something I got from reading uh, one of our chapters this week. And uh, Psalm 103, verse 7, our text, Psalm 103 7, said, He made known His ways unto Moses, His acts unto the children of Israel. He made known His ways to Moses, His acts to the children of Israel. Though the Israelites that were brought out of Egyptian bondage. They saw God move in so many mighty ways. Miracles performed. Miracle after miracle of deliverance, protection, provision. Yet they never understood his ways. And the Lord was grieved with that. And irritated with that. Even angered by that. He said, how long will it be? Ere they believe me. Ere they know my ways. Moses, however, understood He didn't just see what God was doing. He had some understanding of God's ways. How many would like to know about God's ways? How he operates? Well, that's one thing we're doing in reading the New Testament through. We've been reading Matthew, Mark, Luke. Now we're into John. And we're going to help you to pray before you read these things. Say, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see Jesus ever clearer from these words. Help us to see his ways. Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you'll see how he dealt with things. How he responded to things. What he didn't do. You know, you can learn a whole lot right there. What he, The things that he didn't do. Because he is our example. Don't take any man or any woman that you know and set them up as your ultimate example. It's shooting too low. Jesus is to be your example. Amen. And you're to believe, and here's where so many Christians don't even begin to get started. You're to believe that you can live and walk like Jesus lived and walked. Thank you for those three amens. When you say that, people go, well, Brother Keith, he's Jesus, okay? And I'm me. And there's a big dip. Well, you maybe don't remember the scriptures. The scripture says, 1 John 2, 6, He that says that he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. We're called to it. We're commanded to it. Jesus is our example. I said, how could I ever walk like him? Thank God for 1 John 1, 1.9. <laughs> if you blow it and you come short of him, that you can repent and by his blood stand up clean again. Hallelujah. Amen. And get right back on it. Yeah. But don't just settle and say, well, I could never live like Jesus. Don't believe that lie. Every morning when you get up and you open your eyes, you should be thinking, I can have a prayer life like Jesus had a prayer life. I can walk in faith like Jesus walked in faith. I can walk in authority like Jesus walked in authority. I can obey and please God like Jesus did. He's my example. Can you say amen? Amen. If you hadn't been thinking like that, stir yourself up to think like that because he is our example. We want to do things, think, see things, operate, respond like he did. Now in Luke, why don't you turn there, Luke 23, this is one of our chapters we read this week, the 23rd chapter of Luke, and this is a very significant way of Jesus that I've just seen in a stronger light since reading this this week. And I believe this is pertinent to everybody here this evening. And there's some folk that have been going through some things. And when I say that, I'm just saying that by faith. I don't even know all the things. But I know that there's some answers here in what to do. The people have been going, what to do? What do I do with this? How do I do? Well, you do what Jesus did. Amen? Jesus came out. (laughs) Jesus made it. Didn't he? You follow him, you come out like him. Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father this evening. Overcomer. Triumphant. Amen. And things are moving toward the culmination of all of his enemies being under his feet. And I'm on his side. I'm following him, aren't you? I'm with him. Me and Jesus. He's my hero. Amen. Amen. When I grow up, I want to be just like him. <laughs> I know it sounds funny, but I'm serious. I'm absolutely serious. And I'm on that track. And you are too. Aren't you? Say it out loud. When I grow up, I'll be just like him. Now see, I'm not just pulling things out of the air. The scripture says when we see him, we will be like him. Amen. And we'll see him as he is. Glory. Glory. We're even gonna have a body just like His. Our body's gonna be fashioned like unto His glorious body. No more wrinkles, no more gray hairs, no more sagging, no more aging, no more junk. It's Gonna be just like Jesus' glorious body. No more getting tired. Now that'd be, that's gonna be a different life. And no more getting tired. No more getting tired, not even subject to weakness, nor aging, nor sickness anymore. Sometimes people say, well, you know, some get healed now, and some get healed through death, and some will be healed in the resurrection. Well, that sounds all nice, but it's unscriptural. If you don't get healed now, you won't ever need it. Because the body that we will have then will not even be subject to being sick, so it will never need to be healed. So if you're ever going to get healed, now's the time. Now's the time. If you don't use it now, you won't be using it. (laughs) Glory to God. Uh, Luke 23, are you there? I'm going to read some scripture, just stay with me for a little bit. Luke 23, verse 1. If you've been reading with us this week, you know this has to do with the arrest, with the mock trial, which that's all it was was a mockery. They had no evidence. Even their witnesses couldn't get their story straight. And yet they were intent on killing him. Do you know that everything that happens in life is not fair? Have you discovered that? You know, sometimes people look at you with tears like they're just totally shocked, just go, that's not fair. Well, honey, there's a lot of stuff happens in life that ain't fair. And that's where it's going to be. This wasn't fair. Jesus never hurt anybody. He only helped people. He was bringing the true message of God. Amen. And the religious world hated him for it. You know, I'd like to tell you that if you serve God, that all Christians and all people that call themselves Christians will be happy about it. But I can't say that. I've gotten some ugly letters from people that are supposed to be Christians and ministers. Some said, what do you do with them? The first thing I do is I ask myself, is it true? These ugly things that they said, even if they meant to hurt me, is it true? If it's true, I get to trying to change and repent and get it right. If it's not true, I file it. And file 13 that I have over by the side of my desk. And endeavor not to even think about it again. You know, Brother Lester Summerall, if any of you all know about him or have heard of his ministry and and his teaching. He said something, must have been 20 years ago, I heard in the seminar that never got away from me. It's just etched in me. He said, you know how he, if you know anything about him, he's very bold. And he said, other people's heads, is no place for my happiness. (laughs) I thought, yeah, that's true. Other, well, no, excuse me, I left out a part of the phrase. He said, other people's heads, is no place for me to look for my happiness. No need looking for what other people think to see if you can be happy or not. If you're obeying God, you ought to be happy. That's right. Amen. But in this mockery of a trial, and then the scourging, and then the crucifixion, I want you to notice something that happened and something that didn't happen. In verse 1, the whole multitude of them arose and they led him, Jesus, to Pilate. They began to accuse him. And they said, we found this fellow perverting the nation. He is messing up the whole country. He is forbidding to give tribute to Caesar. And he's saying that he himself is a king. Now let's just stop right there. Did he do all that? Did he teach against paying taxes? No, No, he didn't. They tried to set him up. They tried to get him to say something that they could quote and get him in trouble with the government. But you remember what he said, didn't he? He said, show me a coin. They brought it. He said, whose picture is that? They said, well, that's Caesar. What did he say? Well, give, render unto Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and give to God the things that are God's. And they had nothing they could do with that. He's not teaching against paying taxes. In fact, he said, pay your taxes. But it didn't prevent them from getting up and lying and saying, yeah, he said, don't pay taxes. He preached it. He's preaching against the government, and he's messing the whole country up. And so Jesus immediately took out space in the newspaper and said, I didn't say that. And he bought time on the radio. And he said, now, I didn't say that. This is what I said. I said, give the taxes and give what? No. How many know if you read this and you read Matthew's account and you read Mark's account, it must have said three or four times he answered Nothing. He answered not a word. Didn't he? Now we're talking about the works and the ways of Jesus. If you're going to be a Christian, one of the big ways, one of the big acid tests of what reveals that you are a true Christian is your response. The title of my message this evening is The Christian Response. Your response, how you respond to things, how you respond to what people do or don't do or say or don't say, how you respond to what happens as well as what doesn't happen. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Did you hear me? Mm -mm. Your name on a roll somewhere doesn't make you a real Christian. What makes you a real Christian is number one, your faith in him, that you believe in him and you believe on him and what he has done. And number two, your commitment to him, that he is your Lord, that you serve him. And involved in that commitment is a commitment to be his disciple, to be his follower, that is to learn his ways and be like him. Amen. And uh, you just quoting scriptures to people is not the only thing that would let them know that you're a Christian. The devil knows scriptures. He quoted scriptures to Jesus. But one of the acid tests and one of the biggest witnesses or failures of being a good witness is how you respond to all the stuff in life around you in front of people. People are watching you, aren't they? People are watching you on the job. Your children are watching you. And they are learning. You know you sit down and try to teach them some things. But they learn at least as much by what you do. Or don't do as by what you say. And in fact uh, years ago. There was a man that I had some connection with. And uh, he was a help to me in my youth. And he and I were pretty close. He was a lot older than me. And uh In a time of prayer, the Lord said to me, communicate this to him. Tell him that his daughter is going to do what he's telling her to do until she gets a little older. And then she's going to do what he's doing. Tell him the only way to change it is for him to change what he's doing. That's interesting, isn't it? I did. I sat down and talked to him about it. He wasn't too happy about it. But, and he didn't pay attention to me. And it happened just exactly like what the Lord said. It wasn't that I was right. The Lord was right. And um it's not enough just to tell people what to do. You've got to show them what to do. Amen. Yeah. Your living should be consistent with your talk. And people up under you, they'll not just only listen to what you say. They'll not just do what you say. They'll do what you do. And um Jesus Did not respond in anger. He did not respond in selfishness. He did not respond trying to protect his pride. One way that you respond like Jesus is by saying nothing. Everybody with me on this? And that can be tough. I said that can be tough. Can it? Because your flesh wants to tell my side. Don't it? People ought to know this. That's not true. This is true. Let me tell it. And boy, it'll crucify your flesh. I mean, it'll jump up in your throat and the words will be on your tongue. And you'll have to go, mm, shut up. <laughs> Hush. Be still. Hmm? Because if you are your own defense, then the Lord is not. If he's going to be your defense, I'm understand, you know, you can't necessarily hire two different firms to be your defense. You got to decide who's going to be your defense. And if you are your defense, then he is not. If you're going to take it into your own hands, you're going to straighten this out. You're going to tell everybody, you're going to put the record straight. Then you have taken it out of God's hands and it's in your hands. And I assure you, you're not enough for it. But it takes faith. And it takes control to bite your lip and be quiet. (laughs) And just say privately, the Lord's my defense. He will take care of me. If he wants this brought out, he'll bring it out. If he don't, he won't. But he knows the truth and he's the one I care about. And know this. Nobody ever gets away with anything. Nobody. Nobody. You might say, well, I know some people got away. No, it ain't over. (laughs) I said, it's not over. No one ever gets away with anything. The scripture says some things come out in this life and some things come out later. Some things follow afterward. Jesus said, there is nothing hidden that shall not be revealed. Didn't he say it? Do you believe that? There is nothing hidden. What does that mean? Everything's coming out. Everything. Some of it comes out now in this life. Some of it comes out later. But it all comes out. There's only one exception to that. That's when you get it under the blood. I said, when you get it under the blood. Oh, thank God for that exception. I said, when you repent and get it right. The blood washes it away so it's not just hidden. It doesn't exist. Amen. <laughs> Amen. It's nowhere to be found. But that which is not comes out. Either here and now or later, but it comes out. And it takes faith to just say, well, God knows. He knows my heart. He knows what I said and what I didn't say. They're, they were misquoting him. They were Trying to say he was doing all kind of things that he didn't do. And he just was silent. Now it goes on to say that Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews? He said, well, that's what you say. (laughs) Finally, Pilate said, I can't find any fault in this man. But they were the more fierce and they stirred up the people. There's demons influencing these people, aren't there? Unreasonable. No justice, no fairness. They just want him dead. And they were the more fierce and they stirred up the people. Now skip on down to verse 27. There followed him a great company of people and of women and they bewailed and lamented him. These people that cared about him, they're seeing Jesus being beaten, being scourged, being led to the cross and they're crying for him. Poor Jesus. And Jesus turned and looked at them. He said, daughters of Jerusalem, don't cry for me. Cry for yourselves. Cry for your kids. And he began to talk about, you know, make reference to some of the things, judgment that was coming later. Now I want you to think about something. Jesus weighs. In his great pain and distress, he was thinking about them. Wasn't he? If you're a Christian, that's how you respond. Even in your distress, you think about others. Even when you're hurt, you think about others. Even in your pain, you care and are thinking and considering what's going to happen and happening to others. This is so important. Now, Lord, help me get this out the way I need to this evening. You know, some people say, well, you just don't understand. If you're going through what I was going through, you wouldn't be thinking about anybody else either. That just is not true. I've seen both sides. I have worked closely with people in a lot of pain, mentally and physically. And I've seen people that got mean the more they hurt. And I've seen people that stayed sweet to the bitter end. Are you with me? So it just absolutely is not true that you can blame the problems for your ill disposition. Are you with me? Mm -mm. It's not the problems that is the cause of your meanness and your illness. The reality is that was in you all the time. And when the pressure came, it came out. A lot of people are able to keep a, even sometimes too sweet, veneer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But it's not real. They're almost sickly sweet. Unreal sweet. Until something squeezes them. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Until something pushes them, something presses them, and something squeezes them, and then you'll see some of the ugliest stuff come out. Well, now you're seeing the real them. You're seeing what was in them all the time. They were just able to cover it and put on this front and put on this facade. Didn't the scripture say in Matthew and also in Luke, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And he said, by their fruit, you'll know them. Bad fruit comes out of some bad stuff on the inside. Good fruit comes out of good things on the inside. Can you say amen? Amen. I understand that you find out what is really in somebody in the pressure when stuff's come against when there's a squeezing, when there's duress, when there's distress. We see what was in Jesus, don't we? I said, we see what was in him. Is he your example? Is he your hero? Jesus is being squeezed, my friend. I mean, he, the, the life is literally being squeezed out of him through this process. His honor is dragged in the mud in this mockery of a court. He's lied on. For it was over with, spit on, backhanded. What came out of him? Hmm? That's what he is. What came out of him? They're dragging him to nail him to the tree. A lot of folk would have been crying and feeling sorry for themselves and going, this ain't fair. I haven't done anything to deserve this. This ain't right. They'd have been screaming and crying for their own justice. That's not being a real Christian. Being a real Christian is being like him. He looked at the people crying for him. He said, don't cry for me. You need to be thinking about yourself and the things that's about to come. He was thinking about them in his pain. And they laid him down. And they nailed him to the cross. Unimaginable pain. And what did he say? What came out of him? A lot of people, when they're in pain or when they're in distress, cussing comes out, doesn't it? It's sad, but you know, they have these cockpit voice recordings on some of these airplanes and stuff. And some of these pilots, when they've gone down and they saw they're dying, just cussing, just cussing, cussing, cussing. Well, see, that's what's in them. So you can hide what's in you when everything's going pretty good. But when you're squeezed and when you're pressed, what's really in you is going to come out. That's why if you're wise, you'll be putting something good in you every day, like reading your Bible, amen, like hearing good messages, like talking good things, and then, you know, when uh, something comes up, then faith will come up, and love will come up, kindness will come up, amen. I was in a situation, uh, though this has been a few years ago, flying, and somebody decided to do a wild and crazy thing. And uh, it looked like we were going to die. It really did. <laughs> but you know what surprised me is how calm I was. I really was. I was looking, and I knew, it. man, if this doesn't change in just a few seconds, it's going to be it. It's going to be curtains for us. And yet, I just inside me, I thought, well, I'm not afraid. Glory to God. I'm saved. I'm saved. I know what happens. (laughs) What if this thing does come apart in a thousand pieces and I'm scattered over a field somewhere? What? I know what happens. I step out of my body and I look at it and go, well, that's done. (laughs) And an angel is there to escort me and I go and I see Jesus and I get to check out my new mansion and But see, that doesn't happen unless that's been put into you, put into you day and night, week after week, month after month, year after year, and that's what you're full of. Then when you're squeezed, that's what comes out. Amen. Amen. Things might try to come, fear might try to come against you from the outside, but from the inside, faith comes up. While they're nailing Jesus to the cross, what came out of him? Now, boy, this is at the point where you would find out what's in somebody. Wouldn't you? What came out of him? Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's what came out of him. In the greatest time of distress. Verse 32, there were these two criminals... Verse 33, when they came to the place that was called Calvary, there they crucified him. Verse 33, and the malefactors, one on the right hand, one on the left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his clothes, and they cast lots. He's hanging up there. They're down there bartering over his clothes. Verse 35, the people stood by and the rulers derided him. They sneered at him and they said, well, he ain't so big now. He saved others. Why can't he save himself? And they misquoted him. They said, yeah, he said, you know, that he could tear down this temple and build it back, you know, in three days. Why don't you do it now? You who said you could do that, get yourself off the cross. Mocking, sneering. Did he scream in his pain and in the, as the blood flowed, God's going to get you? Hmm? Your time's coming. You just wait. Won't be long. You'll be standing in front of me at the throne of judgment. Mm-mm. No. I said no. No. In verse 39, even the ones crucified with him railed on him. If you're Christ, save yourself. Get us too. Save us too. But the other one answered, he said, don't you fear God, seeing you're in the same condemnation? We indeed justly, we receive the due reward for our deeds. This man has done nothing amiss. Now listen to this. This is, I don't know, maybe a minute, maybe minutes, maybe less before Jesus actually dies. He is so close to death right here. He's just minutes away. And what does he say? This close to death, with not only all the physical agony and pain going on, but the scripture says all the weight of all the sin of mankind, past, present, and future, was coming on him. That's beyond what we even understand. And in the midst of all this agony, when this thief calls to him and says, Lord, remember me, in the middle of that, what did he do? He addressed him. He comforted him. He said, I want you to know something. You're going to be with me this day in paradise. This is just minutes before he died. Can you stay sweet? Can you stay in love? Is it possible to stay in faith even in the worst pain? The worst duress? The greatest pressure? Yeah, you can. I've seen it both ways. I've seen folks that just had a hangnail and got mean. <laughs> had a little slight indigestion and just got too ill to stay around. <laughs> and I've seen people racked with cancer or terminal disease or some something just in unbelievable agony. And when you'd come to see them, they'd put on their best face and brace themselves up and try to smile and ask you how you're doing. That's being a Christian. I said, that's being a Christian. Ain't just being strong. It's being a Christian. Being a true Christian. Turn with me to two openings real quickly. Turn to Matthew, the fifth chapter, and First Peter 2. You may still have that. Is this okay tonight? Matthew... This is the answer. It may not be the answer that you thought you were looking for, (laughs) but it is the answer to some very substantial things in lives right now. What do I do? How do I handle that? What do I do about that? Well, you do what Jesus did. Amen. You respond in love. You respond in faith, no matter how badly you hurt. You think any of this was getting to him? Hurting him, you know it was. When things get to you, don't turn mean. There's no excuse for turning mean. There's no excuse for turning ill. Don't think I got one amen on that. <laughs> it's true. Can you find any room in the scripture, any exception, any excusing for getting mean and ill and going, well, I was just going through a bad time. You understand. You got mean too. Uh-uh. If anybody would have had a right to get ill, to scream for justice, to call judgment against people, Jesus would have. He was perfect. He never missed it. Never made a mistake. Did not deserve any of this that was happening to him. But he didn't do it. I said he didn't do it. He responded with kindness. He responded with mercy. He responded with faith. In the final hours, he looked over at the thief and he said, comforted him. said, you're going to be with me. It's going to be all right. Why? Because he believed in him enough to tell him that. And how did he die? Oh man, I like this. Same way you're supposed to die. Same way I'm supposed to die. In faith. Absolutely not believing that this is the end. What did he say? He had already told his disciples, but he said, three days... And I'll be raised. He had told him that. He had preached that to him. He had proclaimed that to him. And in his final gasp, he said, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Yeah. And breathed his last. Oh, glory to God. That's dying with dignity. Yeah. That's dying with honor. That's dying in faith. Yes. Amen. In the worst pain, the worst pressure, the worst distress. Somebody said, yeah, but this is happening and this is not going to work out. It ain't the end. I said, it's not the end. Even no matter how dark it looks, talk kindly to people and talk faith. Amen. Amen. Think about them. Try to be considerate of them. And if it looks like everything's being pulled out from under your feet and you got nothing to stand on in faith, you can say, this is not it. This is not the end. God is on the throne. Before this is over, I'm going to be in better shape than I was. Yes, that's right. Amen. Amen. Talk faith. You see, a lot of folk don't understand faith very well. They talk a good game. And then when stuff starts breaking and start happening, they start crying and go, Oh, I don't understand this. I'm a faith man. This is not supposed to be happening to me. Well, no, friend, we just now are finding out if you are a faith person. Amen. I mean, we don't know how much faith you got when all the bills are paid and you're feeling good and everything's going along real great and you don't need anything. No, it's when you get squeezed. Now we'll know whatever comes out. That's what's in your heart. And that's what's been there all along. Amen. Oh, let God get glory in you. So that the harder you're squeezed, the more faith you talk. Hallelujah. The harder you're pressed, you just get sweeter. That's right. Amen. Right. He just treat people better. Amen. Amen. A man like that, a woman like that cannot be defeated. That's right. Cannot be overcome. It may look like they are. It looked like Jesus was. But it wasn't over. I said it wasn't over. That's right. Amen. First Peter. Well, let's read Matthew first. You got both places. Matthew. Five, eleven. He said, Blessed are you when men shall what? Revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely or lying, the scripture says. They're lying for my sake. Do what? Get mean <laughs> and straighten them out and do not let that go. Make sure everybody knows the truth. No, no. <laughs> do what? rejoice how in the world could you rejoice when people are lying on you rejoice and be exceeding glad not because of that but because of this for great is your reward in heaven for that's how they persecuted the prophets which were before you that's what they did to jesus if you're going to be a partaker of his glory, you must be a partaker of his sufferings. First Peter says, that's not suffering being sick, that's not suffering being broke, that's suffering like he did. Being defamed, being reviled, being lied about, being blasphemed. He stayed sweet. In 1st Peter, if you're holding your place there. Everybody said out loud, "Stay sweet." Stay in faith. Stay in, faith. Stay, in love. Stay in love. First Peter, the second chapter, and the eighteenth verse. First Peter two eighteen says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all fear. Now that's King James. Let me reword that a little bit for today. Employees, be subject to your employers with all respect. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the froward. What does that mean? You ever heard people say, I don't have to take that. Hmm? You ever heard people say that? I I don't have to take that. This is a free country. I don't have to take that. If the Lord says, stay there, you do. Amen? Amen. I don't have to put up with that. I don't have to listen to that. I don't have to let people treat me like that. If the Lord says, stay there, you do. Or else you're going to get out of the will of God. What did he say? Be subject not only to the good and the gentle. But also to the what? What does froward mean? I looked that word up. It means surly. It means overbearing. It means crooked. It means unjust. It means bearish. He's talking about mean. Overbearing. Surly. Crooked. What do you do with folk like that? They mean. They bark at you. They talk bad to you. They treat you bad. What do you do? Well, you get your stuff out of your desk and you say, Hey, I'll take this. I'm, I'm gone. And yet, if you said, the Lord told me to come here. The Lord told me to work here. The Lord told me to hook up here. Did he change his mind? Has he given you a release? Then I suggest you stay. We had a brother call into the office one time and he said, Y'all need to get somebody to come take this church. I'm leaving. They said, Why? I thought you just got this new place built and I thought everything, you know, was going crowds are up. He said, Well they are. He said, But I'm leaving. You better get somebody to come take it. I'm gone. They said, Well, I don't understand, you know, the person talks, said what You just finished this place. He said, I know. We worked, my wife and my whole family and all my staff, we worked night and day. Nobody knows how much work we put into that place. A lot of the carpentry I did with my own hands, a lot of the stuff I did with my own hands, we've given ourselves year after year to this place. And he said, you know what? The whole congregation got together and gave my wife and me for Christmas. He said, what? He said, a five by seven picture of Jesus. The whole congregation got together and gave me and my wife a five by seven picture of Jesus for Christmas. He said, they don't appreciate us. They don't care. Well, I'm gone. This man had some wisdom. He said, well, now hold up. He said, I thought you said the Lord sent you there. Yeah, well, yeah, but but I'm leaving. He said, well, has he released you? Has he directed you somewhere else? Told you to... Well, I don't know, but I'm leaving. You better get somebody to come up here and take this thing. He said, well, now, hold up now. The Lord sent you there? Has he sent you somewhere else? Well, no, but they, I can't say that he has, but they don't appreciate. Did he tell you that they had to appreciate you in order for you to stay? See, people add all this stuff, don't they? they? Well, well, if I don't get this, then I'm not staying. Well, hey, the Lord never told me, preach, and if the people don't like it, you can quit. He never told me, obey me, but if people don't support you, then you're relieved. Did he you? No, he didn't. I said, no, he didn't. So you best stay hooked. He said, be subject. Verse 19. For it, this is thankworthy if a man for conscience toward God endure grief suffering wrongfully. But what glory is it if when you be buffeted for your fault, you take it patiently? But if you do well and suffer for it and take it patiently, this is acceptable with God. For even hereunto were you called because Christ suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. When He suffered, He threatened not, but He committed Himself to Him who judges righteously. I need to read that again. Jesus is our example, isn't he? Is he your example? An example he left us to follow. Verse 21, leaving us an example that we should follow in his steps. He did no sin and there was no guile found in his mouth. There was no duplicity, no falseness, no hypocrisy, no hidden hatred. When he spoke, it was genuine, it was honest, you could believe it. That's how I talk too, right? Say it for yourself. Say, that's how I talk. For yourself, that's how I talk. He went on to say, when he was reviled, what did he do? People railed on him. I mean, they spoke against him. They blasphemed him. They maligned him. They defamed him. They hurt his reputation with the people. What did he do? reviled not again when he suffered what did he do when you're hurting when people get to you you know what what wants to come out of your mouth a threat doesn't it just a natural thing when people hurt you you want to say god's going to get you <laughs> and begin to judge you saw a rascal? <laughs> Lie on me like that. Treat me like that? After all, I did for you. Are you going to say that? Are you going to do that? You get to talking like that. All kind of thoughts and words will come to your mind. I mean, you can just it's almost like you're inspired. You can just go <laughs> on and on. Because <laughs> you are inspired. <laughs> But it ain't God. It's not God. (laughs) Now I know one reason why you're laughing so hard. You ever been in an intense discussion with somebody? Huh? And And they begin to tell you about all the stuff that you did wrong, all the stuff you messed up on. And you begin to think, well now hey, I know a thing or two about you. And as you begin to think about those things, you really begin to remember a lot of things. I mean, it's like supernatural recall. You remember stuff that they did 20 years ago in vivid detail. And you're able to listen for him. Now you are becoming a mouthpiece for the devil. You are inspired. You are uttering. And he wants to hurt them through you. He wants to condemn them. Remind them of all their sins and their past and their mistakes. And hurt them through you and through your mouth. And friend, that's one of the worst feelings to afterwards realize, I let the devil use me. I let him use my mouth. I let him use me to hurt someone. That's one of the most awful feelings a Christian can have. Is to know you yielded your members to the enemy. That's why when the pressure's on, one of the things you do is keep your mouth shut. Are you with me? You remember when Jairus, you know, talked about Jesus coming and ministering to his daughter. And when they finally got to the house and before he got there, the people said, don't bother the master any further. Your little daughter is dead. And he looked at Jairus and he said, don't be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. And she'll live. And what did Jairus say? There's nothing recorded. That and that's what you say. When your mind's going hundred miles an hour. When your emotions are trying to go tilt. And everything tells you it's too late. And the pressure is on. And the squeeze is on. What do you do? There's two major things here. One, you say nothing in response to fear Or anger. And number two, do what he said. You speak the word only. This will get you through some rough times in life, friend. What do you do? Number one, don't respond. When you're tempted to say something, bite your lip. You're tempted to go, oh my God, what are we going to do? Don't say that. Bite your lip. You remember when the, the prophet and his helper came out and the whole city was surrounded. By the soldiers. And the servant looked at him. And he looked at his master. And that's when the fear and the panic came. And he was being squeezed. He said oh my God. He said master. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? Remember what he told him? Just relax. There's more that be with us. Than that be with them. Is that true concerning us? It's always true concerning us. The greater ones inside of us. Greater than he that's in the world. That's against us. And the angels are with us. And the Almighty God and His Word that shall never fail in the entire throne of God is backing us when we speak His Word. When we stand on His Word. When we obey Him. may not look that way. But it is that way. Be able to talk like that. Don't say the, oh, what are we going to do? Say, there's more with us than be with them. The greater one's inside me. He's helping me. Can you say amen? Amen. When he was reviled, tell me what he did. He reviled not again. When he suffered, what did he do? He did not threaten. Glory to God. Go back to Matthew 5, and I think I'm closing. Matthew 5. You know this, but let's look at it. And it's not what you know, it's what you do that makes the difference. Matthew 5 and verse... 44, I believe it is. Skip down to uh, up rather to 43. Start one verse earlier. 43. He said, you have heard that it's been said you'll love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But see, under this new covenant, we realize that our enemy is not flesh and blood. Even if people have been mean and ugly to us, it's the enemy working through them. And in their ignorance or whatever, their selfishness, they're yielding to him. But I don't care who they are. You get them to God. Get them saved. Get them cleaned up. Get them filled with the Spirit and some word in them. And they're good people. Amen. No matter who they are. The worst sinner on the planet. The worst. You get them saved. Get them cleaned up. They could be your closest friend. Amen. Amen. So always remember that it's not the people. It's not the people. It's the enemy. Maybe they're yielding to him, giving him place, but it's the enemy. Don't hate the people. It's the enemy. But what do you do with the people? Verse 44. Jesus said, I say to you, do what? Love your enemies. What are people that curse you and talk bad about you? What do you do about that? Bless them. What do you mean bless them? They say, well, I just hope you go under. You say, well, I hope you do good. Amen. And you know what? There's no defense against that. What kind of comeback can you do for that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I just hope you go under. Well, I just hope you get more revelation, get closer to God. Go over big time. Yeah, that's a way to cuss them. Bless you. Hope your kids all serve God. Your finances increase thirty-fold this year. Your marriage gets stronger and get close to God, close to God. <laughs> bless them. When they curse you, but the more they curse what? More you bless. <laughs> now we've known these scriptures have been in here a long time, right? We, we know them. But that's not the deal. Do you do them? Come on, help me out now, guys. They curse you bless. bless. Now, curse doesn't just mean they're using cuss words. Cursing means they're speaking bad and a bad about you. They want to see you go under. Then you speak good. Somebody said, well, I don't know of anything good to say about that rascal. Well, my granddad used to always tell me a story. His little boy, I, I wondered why he told me. And finally I realized he tell me about this man that was the meanest man in the whole county mean man i'm a little bitty boy so he had to use small words you know and he said this guy's so mean he did mean things everybody knew he was mean nobody liked him he was a mean man finally he died now was having his funeral and uh there's another man in the community never said anything bad about anybody never he told me this story i don't know how many times and he said, so when the man that never said anything bad about anybody walked by the casket of the man that was so mean that everybody hated, everybody looked and wondered, what's he going to do? What's he going to say? What could he say? This sorry rascal, what could he say? said he stood there for a while said nothing. Then he said, you know, that fellow was the best whistler I think I have ever heard. <laughs> never heard anybody could whistle like that. And went on. How many know if you look, you can find something? <laughs> With some people you have to look a little harder. but if you look, you can find something. Amen. Amen. to bless instead of curse. Right. When they curse, you do what? Bless. One more time. when they curse you, bless. bless. Yes. And when they hate you, keep reading. This is going to stick with you, friends, tonight. I'm just believing. It's going to get in your spirit. And you ain't just going to quote this scripture. You're going to actually do it. When they hate you, and you can tell they hate you. You can hear it in their voice. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in the stuff they write about you. When they hate you, what do you do? Hmm? You do good to them that hate you. They glare at you from across the aisle. And you send them a pie. (laughs) You can tell they hate you. By what they do. So what do you do? You make a car payment for them. Boy I lost some of the crowd right there. (laughs) These are not Keith's words. Who said this? You're the one you call Lord and Master. Amen. He told you what to do. Well, Lord, I just know these people hate me. They're after me. What do I do? He's already told you what to do. People are looking for something else, but He's already told you. They hate me. What do you do? Come on. You do good for them. Do good for them. Pray for them. Send them some money. Do something good for them. Help them. Go behind the say, you don't have to be seen and known. If you can help them behind the scenes, do it. Amen. Stick some money in the steering wheel of their car. Nobody knows where it came from. In their pocket. You know what I'm talking about? Don't do something to be seen. If they curse you, you bless them. If they hate you, you do good to them. If they despitefully use you. I mean, they set you up. They used you. I've had people before used my name. Did something with me for 15 minutes and then went and told everybody that he used to work for me. <laughs> and that I confirmed and approved everything they said and taught, which was off the wall. And used different situations, used your name, used your influence, used... What do you do with folk like that? You take an ad in the paper. <laughs> and you buy some radio time, Right? <laughs> And you make sure everybody knows that they're nothing to do with you. (laughs) Now, let's come back to what Jesus said about it. He said, if they use you, if they despitefully use you, and if they persecute you, what do you do? You pray for them. Pray for them. Why? Because they're in danger of judgment, for one thing. You don't want to see them judged. Just like they nailed Jesus to the cross. He prayed for them, didn't he? They're nailing him to the cross and he's praying for them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what's happening here. They don't know what they're doing. That's love. That's love. Stand up on your feet, please. Thank you, Lord. If you're hearing what I'm hearing this evening, I hear real answers to real situations and real problems. In the toughest things in life, what do you do? How do you handle that? Here it is. black and white. Plain. Clear. Your flesh may not want to do it, but there it is. Oh, but the rewards of those who do. Jesus died in faith. He died speaking kindly to people. He died showing mercy. He died not returning evil for evil. And he's been vindicated, he's been justified, he's been exalted for all the world to see. And there'll be some stuff that may not even come out in this lifetime about you. But it'll come out later. Hmm? And I'm telling you, if you'll keep your mouth shut. And you'll honor him and you'll put your defense and justice in his hands. Some of the stuff that it looks like that didn't come out and that people believe you're going to really be amazed in that day when the Lord comes and puts his hand on you and says, this one is mine. And when they did that, they were doing what I told them to do. And I guarantee you, nobody will say a word about it at that point. (laughs) Amen? Amen. And you'll be rewarded. And that's how that you can really get excited. I, uh, It takes some maturity and it takes some revelation. But when some of these things are going down, when you really know what's happening and you see that the Lord is not letting your all of your honor come out now, you know he's saving it for later. Four people got that. I said, he's saving it for later. He plans to honor you. He plans to bring it out and show it later and in some cases personally. Well, that ought to make you shout. I said, that ought to make you, in the midst of your hurting and even grieving and even in big problems, when you realize that, you can rejoice. You can even shout for joy. Amen. Because you know that He is your defense and He's faithful. And there's nothing hidden that shall not be revealed and known. I think we ought to, by faith, act on this and just do some praising right now. By faith. And especially if you've been going through some stuff and some pressure, whether it's for your own mistakes, if you've repented, or whether it's for something, you know, obeying God. I want us to rejoice greatly like he told us to. He said, greatly rejoice. Amen. And even shout. Because these same kind of things happen with the prophets and with Jesus himself. Amen. Lift up your hands. Father, we thank you. Praise you. Glory to your holy name. You are our strength. You're our defense. Thank you that you're going to take good care of us. Thank you. Thank you. You're our justifier. Oh, praise you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you. Praise you. Glory, 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 glory. Oh, we praise you. We bless you. We glorify Your holy name. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. I heard something in my spirit. Listen just a moment. I heard something in my spirit. The Lord said, take heed to these words and pass these tests. For I have some great and good things planned for you. But you must pass the test. You must respond in love. You must respond and speak in faith. For I've had good and great and rich things planned for you. And even good promotions and good increase planned for you. From before this thing occurred, I knew it was coming. But you must show yourself strong. And you must show yourself my disciple. And you must show yourself a man and a woman of love and faith that I may have a justifiable right to promote you on the other side of this. So pass the test and respond with kindness and bite your lip and speak not in the flesh, but say words of love and I will honor you for you will have honored me. Thank you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Everybody say it out loud. I am, I am. a, Christian. a Christian. I am. A disciple of the Lord Jesus. I follow Him. He's my example. I respond as He responds. When others curse, I bless. If they use me, persecute me, I pray for them. If they revile me, I do not revile them. If they hurt me, I will not threaten them. them. I will speak love. I will speak speak faith. I will will overcome all all. in Jesus' name. name. Praise God. Praise God. Praise Praise God. God. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You believe that? I'm believing that these words will come back up in you, come back up in me. When we're pressed, when we're squeezed. And that people are going to be delightfully surprised and pleased when we're squeezed and they see what comes out of us. Amen. I mean, the more full of the words you are, the more full of love, the more full of faith you get out, you know, of the bed and traipsing to the bathroom and stump your toe on the table. Well, now you find out your word level. What comes out? Blankety blank. Or that's a heel toe. I call that toe <laughs> heel <healed. laughs> in Jesus' name. It's the truth. Whatever comes out of you, that's what's in your heart. Amen. So continually be putting these things in you, putting them in you, hearing them again and again, putting them in you, and then when you're squeezed, that's what'll come out. And the harder you're squeezed, that's all that'll come out. Praise the Lord.